Hello and welcome to Working From Wisdom. And my guest this week is the lovely Natasha Sverdilov. Natasha is lives in and is from Denmark. And I recently attended a 12-week program that she had been uh, facilitating called Truth, Beauty and Love. And it was for women only. And I came across it around the time that I had started the Women's Wisdom Circle. And I just felt that I really wanted to be in that space and share in that energy and that connection with other women. And Natasha held a beautiful space for all of us. And I I thoroughly enjoyed the 12 weeks that we spent together. And Natasha is also herself a coach and she's a facilitator. She um, runs a 3P uh, training in Denmark. And she's also co-author of the book Coming Home with Dr. Dickon Bettinger. Natasha, uh, lovely to see you. And thank you very much for coming on as a guest. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So the first question that I always ask my guests is because my podcast is called Working From Wisdom. What does that mean for you or how does that show up in your world? It shows up every single day because I really trust that something guides me, not only when I see clients or do my seminars or webinars, but in life to when to do what. So it's, it's, I'm guided by wisdom in every single aspect of life, when to go shopping or when to, uh, when is the right time to take a shower or go for a walk or, you know, anything at all. I'm simply guided pretty much all of the time, except for the times that I get caught up in my thinking, <laughs> then guiding usually stops. But I had a very good example. I was doing a webinar Tuesday night for the Danish Three Principles community around the three principles in everyday life. And I really wanted to do a good job because the Danish community is now more than 1700 people. And I knew there's a lot of confusion. So I really reflected like the day before I started to reflect on how can I be of service? What, what, what would they need to, to know that could help them settle into this understanding? <clears throat> so I spent time reflecting on who is Sydney Banks and why is he relevant? You know, why is it we keep coming back to, to him? Because it's not Sid the man, as he would be the first to say, but what he saw and the relevance of that, and especially the relevance of the fact that he was an ordinary guy, not looking for an enlightenment experience. It, it happened upon him. So that was one of the things I really wanted to get across. And the other thing was, like, how is this different? Because what I see in the in the Danish communities, there's so much discussion around um, how is this different from other things because people go, oh, it's it's metacognitive therapy or, oh, it's just like mindfulness. And I really wanted to good, give a good job or do a good job out of saying how it's different and why it's different and why that's relevant and why you only need to look towards the principles. And then the third thing I wanted to do was to give practical everyday examples of how this understanding helps me and, 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 and thousands of other people just in decision-making, being guided uh, in work and in, and in life. And, and I reflected on that for, for about a, a day and then put everything aside, got in front of, the, of the, my computer when the webinar started and uh, pressed record 
and out of me flowed my reflection in this way that I could have never had planned. Like if I'd planned that talk, it, it would it would probably come out very clunky. But I listened to it the next day because I never quite know what I'm saying. So I had to listen back to figure out what did I say? What did that come out right? And I was like, wow, wisdom just did a really good job. So I did the reflecting, but then wisdom took my reflections and weaved them like um, like when you have, is it called braided hair? Like there's three three braids <laughs> or three mm -hmm. strands of hair. And it was just a beautiful combination of um of these three thing three things that i've been reflecting on that weave together beautifully just like the three principles beautifully explain the one principle of life that out of nothing everything arises oh that's beautiful that's a really lovely description and it marries really well the intellect and the wisdom you know and you know, that we are all of these things because there is sometimes the feeling that you try to, oh, I don't want to be in my intellect as much because that's where I get caught up. And um, yes, that's true. Um, and even today I've noticed that it's like the world is challenging me because I started the day with, I did a lovely yoga uh, practice um, and was just in a really nice flow. And then these things were kind of coming out. Information was coming to me that I could feel it, you know, knocking on the door of ego, of taking things personally. And I, and I saw it and went, not today, you know, I don't think so. Not today. Like I could feel it coming in and, you know, so our, our intellect can, it can help us see when we are becoming wrapped up in the intellect <laughs> enough that we can get quiet and something else has space, that wisdom has space to drop in. Yeah, and, and that's really all we can do is to see that that's happening because the intellect is a beautiful gift that we can use to uh, reflect, plan things and do our everyday jobs. I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't go shopping if I didn't know, if I didn't use my intellect as well. But when we let wisdom guide us, like we see that here comes the intellect, it's knocking on the door. Can I come in for tea? Right. And, and uh, before the principles, I used to invite it in for tea and then I used to make dinner for it. And then I used to have it hang out a few days. <laughs> and now I'm just like, no, not today. I'm, I'm actually doing quite well without you. So I don't need you today. Thanks very much. And then I use intellect as, as the tool that it is, which helps me do lots of practical things. But it does become this beautiful marriage, as you said, between sense and soul, between the intellect and wisdom. Yeah. And I love your description of the day to day because that's something that I've really noticed in the last kind of year or so, how I, rather than show up from all the lists that I used to have, the to-do lists, which I used to find overwhelming because all I could focus on then was the list. Whereas now it's like, if I just get into this moment right here and I'm fully present, 
what makes sense to do now? And it's, it's, it might be something as simple as actually empty the dishwasher or load the dishwasher. But it, 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 you go from moment to moment being present with whatever you're doing at that time. And it's such a lovely feeling because whatever you're doing, even if it's something mundane, you're you're with it rather than being in the overwhelm of what else, what next should do, must do, have to. And it's such a that's to me is flow because it you just know you're flowing through the day. And by the end of the day, you look back and go, oh, wow, I got through all of that without feeling like it was a drudgery or a hardship. It was just there was an ease to it. Mm. That, that, that's such a perfect description. And, and another way of saying that is that the present moment is ego's death. Ego cannot exist. The intellect cannot exist in the present moment. Because when I'm right here right now with, with you, this is all, all that I, I need to do, be doing. This is, And it's the only place I want to be. Right now, I'm here right now. And if I in any way started thinking about, so what else am I doing today? And I would be out of this conversation and, and I would be into my intellect trying to plan. And, and I think that's one of the really huge insights I had a few years ago was because I've been a business consultant for more than 25 years and I used to run into overwhelm and stress often in my life because I had a lot to do. And I actually honestly think that I do more now, but I'm never stressed because I'm in the present moment. And it seems like wisdom is doing the job for me. It, it's so, for instance, in the night, last night, um, I was awake from, I think I woke up quarter past three and I didn't fall asleep again until around five. And in that time, I'm, I was thinking about lots of different things that I need to do because I'm traveling next week. And so it's like, you have to remember that and that and that. And I was like, oh, that's okay. I, I'll, it'll, it'll, it'll come to me again. I don't, I didn't need to get up and write it down. I would have done that before, but I just let it go through my mind. And then I noticed um, today, as I finally got up at 7.30, that I, um, the things just started to, to come into mind at the right time. Like, oh, just write that email. Oh, yeah. Oh, just do that. Oh, yeah. And it's so easy. Um, and here I am, you know, coming to this, this conversation with you at the right time in the right frame of mind, not because I'm, I'm trying to have the right frame of mind, but because this is the time that I'm with you. And so fully present is, is the death of, of the intellect. It, it cannot exist in the present moment. This is where flow is. This is where we're guided perfectly. This is the intelligence behind all of life guiding us right now. And all we need to do is to step out of the way. And when I say we or I, it's, it's ego to step out of the way and let wisdom do what it does. Sometimes my good friend Dickon and I, we, we talk about having wisdom have her way with us, which is what we do when we, for instance, do webinars or, or seminars. But, but in life also, just get out of the way. Let, let wisdom have her way with you. Yeah. And there's, you know, what I heard in that was, that you, it's like you trust your mind more. You know, I didn't need to get up in the middle of the night and write that down because I trust that 
it'll come back to me again. And I and I think that comes with with the stillness and the quiet, because in the overwhelm, there's as we spoke before we came on the call, there's so much noise in there that it's like looking, you know, walking into a room that's really cluttered and looking for something really, really small. It's going to be difficult and you possibly won't find it. So you trust that you'll just remember things because there's not a lot, not a lot in there to uh, for it to get lost in. But I do distinguish between my mind and universal mind because my personal mind forgets stuff all the time. <laughs> you know, if it was up to my personal mind, I'd be a mess. I do trust that something has all it needs to remember the things that I've then thought about. Again, it's just an example of the marriage between sense and soul that, that the intellect that was running, you know, for an hour and a half last night, when I let that go, fell asleep, got up, I didn't think about it at all. And something just came up from universal mind, not from my personal mind. It comes through my personal mind to make me aware, but it, it's coming from a deeper space. Hmm. There's a real, like, I know one of the things that I've, I guess I've played around with um, over the last year is in that surrender to letting wisdom have her way with me. And, you know, at times I thought I was surrendering, but I really wasn't. You know, there was still an element of I was surrendering, but expecting it to look a certain way. And in the last couple of months, I have I've really just, there are things that I guess that I've kind of worked on or put a lot of time and effort into for the last few years and that they're not showing up the way that I would have liked. And there comes a time when you have to sort of, not from a place of ego or taking it personally, a place of just knowing that I need to let go of this now and see what else comes in its space. And that can be a real struggle when you've put a huge amount of energy and effort and time into uh, trying to create something um, and then sort of seeing that, okay, it, it shouldn't be, there should be more of a flow. And, and every time I turn a corner and it looks like it's starting to manifest, something stops, something gets in the way. And it's, there's there's definitely something in that. I don't know if you've kind of experienced that. Well, I've, I've definitely experienced it more before, but I do experience now, for instance, a very real example for me is that um, for 26 years, I've been a, a business consultant. And uh, so I've, I've, I've created this company and the past 10 years since 2012, it's been informed by, by the principles um, in the way that I work with, with companies. But um, a couple of months ago, I think it was in November, I was doing a, a, a seminar and I just had this feeling, this is the last seminar that I do. It wasn't even a decision. I just knew that uh, when the seminar was over, it was a two-day seminar, that that was it. And so uh, the day after the seminar had finished, I called up the HR manager and said, thank you for 20 years. I'd, I'd been in that particular company, 20 years teaching um, I'm, I'm doing something else now and I'm happy to help you find another, another trainer. And, and she said, Oh, I'd love that. 
I said, no problem. Thank you so much. And I, I, I rang up a, a colleague of mine who, um, who needed some more work next year, which is, which is this year, which was perfect. And uh, I um, sent an email to them both saying, here, here's a match. And uh, now he's working for the company. He's happy. She's happy. I'm happy. There was no decision made. Nothing at all. Mm. It was absolutely obvious to me that that I had to to end that part of my life and and uh, just be in in the school that I now own, the three P school here in Denmark, and the Principals Institute, which is my international branch. But it's just so obvious that this is all that I I need to be doing. And then the interesting thing happens that since I since that decision was made, which wasn't made by little me, but something bigger more and more people have been coming to my school. And so it's it's really life's way of saying, yep, that was exactly what you needed to do. To, to me, it seems like when wisdom guides me, there's always open doors. All the, the times in my life where I've thought that I needed to make a decision and I've pushed my decision through, doors have been shut and, and things have been difficult and I've had to fight my way through. And whenever I listen, oh, the ease it's just it's just a no decision space to live from it just happens I think that's lovely to hear it's very reassuring because I would say I'm sort of in that in-betweeny phase of um knowing on a deeper level that what you are speaking of is true um and then, but just the the old habitual way of doing things, it's still kind of it's it wants to have its way with me, <laughs> and I am trying to uh, deny consent and say I don't think so, not anymore. And there's certainly an element of yeah, there, there's there's a lot of things you need to drop and really lean into that trust, you know, of of the no thing. The nothing, the nothingness, because there's often nothing. It's it's sort of like I've got there's nothing. I can't see anything here, but it's OK. I, I kind of I can trust that if I spend enough time hanging out here with that openness, with an open heart, that something will eventually drop in. Yeah, I think that that really is is key. And of course, the more familiar you become with this space of the unknown, then that becomes the natural space to, to live from. Whereas in the beginning, it's like, uh oh, I don't have an income. What's what's going to happen? I'm totally relying on something else that I'm not used to be reliant on. Um, where's my security? But when you see that you're being held, life has you. It always has. You just didn't see it. You thought you had to fight your way through life and you didn't notice that something was holding you all along. Something was guiding you all along. Like when you see that in a, in a really big way, then the dropping happens by itself. I don't have to drop in anything. It just drops. I don't have to make decisions. They're being made. And so there's this, this ease in life because I'm not working. <laughs> I'm not dropping. I'm not trying to make things happen. Things happen. Life is created. And I am part and you are part and everybody's part of that creation. We all are one. We are all created in each moment. And we can either see that, which makes life really easy, or we can not see it and challenge it and fight it and, 
and and suffering will occur. Mm. It's something I see, and you know, it's funny you use the word fight because I certainly would have um, always, certainly for the last, since I became a single parent, um, you know, I have two teenagers. Now we're kind of, my kids are like, I've been divorced longer than I was ever married. As it happens now, my kids are teenagers and they're fine. But, you know, this, my thinking, because I was in a very victim mode, it, it, and I am quite, you know, I'm independent. I am strong. And I would have had that sort of real determined uh, mentality. So, but pushed through and everything was, um, everything was a fight. And, and one of the things that I noticed a few years ago was how I closed myself off from offers of help. Because, as you know, my daughter, when she used to be a toddler, used to be like, I do it myself. And when you have that fighting mentality, and I think women in particular have a tendency to get caught up in this idea that if we don't somehow do it ourselves or you need to ask for help, that it's a sign of weakness. And that's the way that I certainly viewed it until one day I just got bored of being a martyr. I just got bored of it. And I went, I am actually doing this to myself. I am making my life really hard unnecessarily. And, and the more that I, um, and you know, cause recently there were a few things that I wanted to get done and jobs. And I was like, I don't know anybody to ask. I don't know any tradesmen. And I rang my brother and he was there. Oh yeah, you can ring this guy. And I rang him thinking I probably won't, I'll never hear from him. He was there within a couple of hours. And it's like when you drop the stories of no, but I have to do it all myself. When you drop all of that, like as human beings, we're designed to be of service to each other. We always feel at our, our highest state of being when we are giving back and helping other people. And you know, in giving it out, you have to be able to receive as well. It's, it's just, it's, it's the flow, isn't it, of, of love going all the way around. It can't just stop in one place. Mm. Exactly. It's, it's such a good example of letting go of, of, of a certain story that you might have carried for a long time. I know I've carried stories like that. And just seeing, wow, life has my back. I don't need to struggle. I'm not alone. There's help out there. It's just not, sometimes it's just not where I thought it would be somewhere else, but it's here. Life is always happening. It's always, and life wants to thrive. Life is always looking to break through. Even the concrete in the ground, you see flowers come break through there. How, how come, how can they do that? You know? Well, because life wants to be lived. Life wants to be alive. And that life is who we are. So we're always thriving. We're always moving towards the light, whatever that looks like in our lives, whatever circumstances we're in, we're going to look for the light. Mm. It's that expansion. Yes. Yeah. Are we expanding or are we shrinking? 
Well, in one sense, you could say we're neither because formless neither gets diminished or engrandized mm. by by anything. So, so who we are cannot be smaller than or, or lesser than or bigger than. But um, but as human beings, as as the humanness, we can certainly become more loving and caring the more in touch with our innate w- w- nature that we are. I've, I've definitely changed uh, the way I live my life. Not that I have changed. I used to think that I needed to change, but change happens once I realized more deeply who we truly are. And it's funny, I sometimes see how uh, that sensation of, you know, when we're not expanding, when we're not in our thriving state, that as somebody who has struggled with her posture, all, you know, I've, I've always had kind of a, Uh, rounding and stuff but for the last year and a half I've been doing a lot of yoga and a lot more focus on that and I know that when I feel in that thriving state I am standing up taller you know it's whereas when I feel insecure I start to curl into myself I actually physically shrink it's it's amazing isn't it how like you know, and like you you spoke of the flower, if I neglect my plants, I start to see them shrivel and shrink as well. And then when I tend to them and give them love and water and food and whatever they need, they start to expand again. Absolutely. In the world of form, we, we certainly need that. We need uh, to be tended to. Our formless nature doesn't need that in the same way. It always, it already has everything that it needs. We're already connected. We're already fully nourished. We're already love and wisdom. But again, in the in the human, in the in, in our form, uh, we all need to be loved and have a hug or you know whatever that looks like for us. But it's so important to see that our innate nature is already whole and perfect doesn't need anything Mm. yeah it's like the physical just when it shrinks it's trying to remind you of that yes you know and and for me i i can always sort of pick up on if there's something going on in the physical it's just a little you know somebody trying to poke you and go you're forgetting you're forgetting your truth that's exactly how I see it, that it's supposed to hurt. You're supposed to shrivel. It's supposed to be painful when you are using your mind in a way where you're forgetting your true nature. And so the feedback that you're getting from, from your emotions or from physical pain is feedback to you, not about life, but about what you're doing to yourself through your personal thought system. Mm. It's just that very often people misunderstand the feedback and they think that the, the, the emotional pain that they're having because they're thinking terrible thoughts about the future, they think it means that I'm right about these terrible pictures I'm, I'm putting out there. But it's not. It's just giving you feedback about what you're using your mind for. And so it's supposed to, to, to hurt emotionally or like it's supposed to hurt if you if you break your leg and you're walking on it. It's supposed to hurt. It's telling you, don't don't walk on me. Give me space. I need to heal. Mm. It's supposed to hurt. Yeah, 
Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? You know, when you, when you, when you know, I, I had something recently where I was in a bit of a story in my head and comparing myself to other people. And I just caught myself and went, it's funny, isn't it? How I'm looking at other people's illusion and I'm comparing it to my illusion. And I think that their illusion is better than my illusion. And I just had to, to laugh. I, I know it, it feels real. You know, it feels real when I think about it. But then when I turn my attention to something else, I'm not feeling that anymore. Yeah. So like, how can it be real? Like if it's, if it's so transient in nature that I can one minute be all caught up in, in worry thinking. And the next I can be looking at a tree and going, oh my God, it's so magnificent or having a laugh about something or yeah, just, or nothing or being in nothing. It's really what it's all about. It's waking up to the fact of thought, seeing that when I believe my thinking, I'm going to be caught up in that thinking. And when I think about something else, that thought's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't have a life of its own. So when you, when you wake up to that fact that the thought is illusory, it's, it comes and it goes and it flows. And when you see that, it really gets you in touch with this present moment. You fall into consciousness. There's just this presence. And from this presence is where we're all guided by love and wisdom. That's where it is. It's right here, right now. Not being caught up in the foreground of attention, but being present in the, in the, in the always existing background of consciousness. And I think, you know, I'm going back to, you know, what you said at the beginning about like, why Sidney Banks or like, what, what about his message? And for me, it was that I had spent a lot of time in kind of the psychology learning and then kind of gone down the neuroscience route because that seemed to me like that was truth. And what was strange was a lot of the things that I was learning, I was learning them to use them as a coach, but I wasn't actually applying them really all that much to myself. Some, some of it, you know. And because, you know, when I reflect back in retrospect, I have kind of nearly always been guided by wisdom. It was just that I thought my life was supposed to look different. So, you know, it, it, but I've always done the unconventional, the things that people are like, why are you doing that? You know, that doesn't make sense. And for, for me, it was like, well, it doesn't make sense to do anything else, you know? Um, and I think when I really kind of came into the principles, which was at the 2019 uh, 3PUK conference, and I was listening to um, one of the uh, one of the guys who had been through the Beyond Recovery program. And I just walked away, went, I don't know what I've heard, but I know that that's all that there is. And it was I just left going, 
oh, this is it. Whatever it is, this is it. And I think, yes, with, with, with Sydney, it's that sometimes when you get into the intellectual and try to, well, what is it that he was trying to say? You can kind of get a little bit muddled up. But it has certainly helped me as to find that missing link. Because I had delved into the spiritual and I had delved into the psychological, but there was still something. Um, it was to do with, I think, acceptance and that surrender that I spoke about. And it's the simplicity. Mm. It's the utter simplicity of if I look to find a solution, it seems so complicated. But if you kind of see past that, it's really not. Mm. That very much also describes my my um, what I saw in, in when I came to this understanding was the bridge between the psychological and the, and the spiritual. It's exactly what happened with me. That what Sid saw was, wow, we live in a thought-created world. We live in a world of duality created from our thinking and, and how we interpret the world. That was his first insight. And then the second insight, oh, there is no duality. That's, that's thought created. There's only one. We are one. We are creation. And we're already home. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Such a hopeful message. And I certainly, when I heard it, I was ready to hear it. Because if somebody had tried to point me to that a few years previous, absolutely no way would I have been open to seeing that, that I am creating my own reality away. Yeah. And there's, there is something in that too, isn't there? That, you know, and, and the, it's something to be mindful of because it's easy to want to help people when you see how they're, oh, you don't get it. You're so, you're, you're creating an illusion. And that's kind of the initial thing. And then after a while, it's actually, they're okay. They're okay. When they're ready, they might get a bit more curious, but they're okay. There's yeah. nothing, there's nothing to be done here. No. They're, they're being held to. Yeah. They're, live, they're lived by these three divine principles as well as we are. Beautiful. Yes. That was fantastic. Natasha, thank you so much oh, for welcome. coming along and sharing your insights. And um, I love the way uh, you've described some, some things beautifully there. So um, I hope people enjoy and get something from listening back. <laughs>